this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode a new prime minister in india or pakistan usually means new opportunities for dialogue and engagement congratulatory messages are exchanged and in the days when india and pakistan engaged in dialogue restating your commitment to a dialogue process usually followed india pakistan relations have always been topsy turvy but the august 2019 decision by the modi government to denude jammu and kashmir special status drew a furious response from pakistan even bilateral trade was suspended hardly any visitors come and go between the two countries barring the back channel the relationship is at a standstill given that the new prime minister shahbaz sharif heads a coalition government and pakistan faces elections next year we are unlikely to see a government in full flow the pakistan economy is a major concern and former prime minister imran khan is in full agitation mode so what would happen in india pakistan relations now to discuss this naughty relation i am joined by veteran diplomat sharad sabarwal who is former indian high commissioner to pakistan welcome to in focus sharad thank you sharad tell us what is your sense every time is the same and every time is different between india and pakistan uh, we've seen this time round also that messages uh, have been exchanged of greeting between the two prime ministers do you see the possibility of any thaw in the relationship well you know the uh, amit the answer to that question has to be seen uh, in the backdrop of the prevailing situation you mentioned some of your uh, those those factors in your introduction uh, first of all shahbaz sharif uh, heads uh, a very very complex uh, uh, sort of coalition uh, now till the common enemy imran khan was around it was easy to maintain unity now, how long can they maintain unity and how long this government lasts uh, we'll have to uh, see uh then again as you mentioned uh, the focus of this government will be mainly on the economy on the economy also bringing some immediate relief to people because if they are unable to do that uh, the burden of anti incumbency will shift very quickly from pti to pmln that is shabazz's uh, party and third uh, of course uh, imran khan is on a war path war path and he is uh, is watching every move of this government as you know he had taken a very strident position post uh, august 2019 uh, asking india to reverse that move of withdrawing special status of jammu and kashmir dividing it into two union territories uh, he often waded into uh, india's internal debate on commun- communal equation etc he will watch every move of this government Uh, especially on relations with india very carefully uh, will try and play up uh, every single small action of this government uh, as a sell out to india on the positive side at this juncture i see uh, two points in particular one is bajwa the army chief bajwa who is going to be around at least till november this year when his second uh, tenure of 3 years ends uh, he's been talking of peace with india now that may be tactical in fact if you ask me in the absence of uh, any indicators to the contrary regarding a strategic uh, shift uh, in the world view of the army uh, i think uh, it is a tactical move because of pakistan's other compulsions economy the 
western border and the fraught relationship and, you know a little unstable relationship with the united states etc etc uh, but uh, even a tactical move is good enough if the intention is to lower the temperatures to stabilize the relationship a little bit to manage it better then again economic focus um, may bring uh, you know, a little more constructive thinking about trade with India, which Pakistan suspended uh, completely in 2019 August. Uh, that has hurt the Pakistani economy. In fact, there has been demand from segments of business and industry in Pakistan to do something about it. Then again, I believe uh, reducing the temperature with Pakistan and expanding the thaw a little beyond uh, the restored ceasefire of last year uh, is also in India's interest at the moment because of the need to pay greater attention to the line of actual control with China. As you rightly said, messages have been exchanged. Uh, you and I, who have been watching this relationship for a long time, have, have seen many such messages uh, you know, go across on both sides. I have seen those messages, and uh, may I say that those are standard formulations. Uh, which are used by the countries, uh, always have been used in the past. And in themselves, uh, they do not uh, indicate any, uh, any, any opening for the relationship. So on balance, if you ask me, looking at all these factors, uh, I believe uh, the chances of a major diplomatic breakthrough or a major foreign policy initiative in these circumstances uh, seem low, in fact, very low. Uh, but depending upon how long the Shabash Sharif government lasts, uh, look, his brother has been committed to a good relationship with India and also, also Shabash Sharif. He was chief minister of Punjab when I was high commissioner. He was in favor of uh, trade, uh, for example, and travel across the border. Uh, so depending upon how this government lasts, it may be possible to take some smaller steps uh, to, to give greater stability to the relationship, which has seen a lot of trouble in the last few years. Right. So what is your sense? I mean, um, if they prioritize the domestic economy, then, uh, and as you point out, uh, you know, Imran Khan is also uh, breathing down the necks of the government. And uh, in India also, there is a sizable uh, section of uh, people or a very vocal section of people that doesn't want engagement with Pakistan, that doesn't want dialogue with Pakistan. And, uh, you know, wants to ensure that Pakistan is brought to its knees. You know, something uh, which was perhaps not as strident when you were Deputy High Commissioner in Pakistan and High Commissioner in Pakistan. So given this kind of scenario, uh, I mean, a couple of months down the line, uh, do we see the same situation? Because we see uh, Indian, um, you know, Indian wheat going across uh, to Afghanistan uh, through Pakistan. But really, no trade. Even earlier trade was small, but it was happening at least. Uh, no, I think, uh, as you rightly said, I, you know, while looking at the factors that could uh, influence things, I uh, didn't mention in my earlier uh, presentation uh, the the political constraints in India. You know, this whole uh, thing of uh, terror and talks cannot go together has come to a hold. Uh, some hold on the imagination and thinking uh, of uh, of the Indian public. And Pakistan remains an electoral issue in India, and probably not as intense as it was in 2014 and 2019, but nonetheless an electoral issue. And that could change, uh, you know, with one, uh, one incident, uh, which leads to, uh, you know, hope it doesn't happen, but it leads to a lot of killing on our side as a result of a terror attack, etc., etc. And then 
again we we are going into an electoral cycle you know some important states coming up for election by the end of the year or the next year uh, all those factors would weigh on uh, this relationship that wheat export uh, you know it it wasn't so much uh, a, a concession to india as pakistan didn't want to seem to be obstructive uh, to its uh, its allies they thought uh, that this was a great victory for them in afghanistan the taliban coming uh, to, to be victorious there and they didn't wish to annoy them they they need this wheat badly and you know pakistan then made this concession largely because of that reason so that that uh, has nothing to do with you know trade or it was more symbolic in a sense It, not not entirely symbolic you know they had some calculations in terms of you know the taliban attitude towards them and they thought that you know if they didn't allow this this should be seen very negatively by the taliban but uh, the larger point i think was that, that gesture did not influence the the bigger issue of trade with india or transit to india uh, through the pakistani territory you know, those two issues uh, remain unresolved now my hope uh, is that if there is greater focus on economy uh, and there has been as i said demand from uh, segments of trade and industry in fact imran khan's uh, advisor on commerce daud razak himself a, a businessman from lahore uh, he had said only about two months ago that as far as his ministry was concerned they thought trade with india was essential uh you know pakistani economy is suffering because of no trade with india and there have been reports prepared within pakistan to say that trade would benefit more the smaller pakistani economy there was one report which was produced when i was high commissioner 2010 by their own planning commission a series of other uh, reports so if that sort of constructive thinking you know leads to some more uh, constructive attitude towards trade uh, we'll have to see uh but as i said overall uh, you know the chances of a, a great breakthrough diplomatic breakthrough major breakthrough or a major foreign policy initiative uh they don't look uh, very good given the overall circumstances prevailing uh, at the moment uh would the two sides be able to take some smaller steps would uh, you know shabazz's constraints allow him to do that would the political uh, constraints on our side uh, allow that we'll have to wait and see yeah you know dramatic steps uh, like we saw in uh, lahore in uh, february of 99 sometimes uh, don't add uh, you know value to the relationship in the long term and perhaps uh, smaller incremental steps uh, is the way to go in that context uh, however i think both countries uh, you know would uh, you know on occasion prefer to do the wrong thing rather than the right thing and face the consequences of a relationship which really doesn't exist because you know you've been uh, watching this relationship working on this relationship for so long there are hardly any visitors coming and going between india and pakistan uh, now whatever contact is now almost through third countries you know how does this all change if at all it changes Uh, well you know i i would agree with you you know instead of any grand gestures and so on look uh, mr modi uh, you know is capable of he's a strong leader capable of giving uh, surprises that's what he did in december 2015 when he landed up in uh, lahore and i'm sure you know prime ministers don't go you know merely to attend birthday parties and so on i'm sure he saw some value in nawaz sharif as an interlocutor 
which of course couldn't be realized because the Pakistani army systematically sabotaged uh, his agenda. Uh, so I would be quite happy if this change of regime in Pakistan leads to some smaller steps towards the situation that prevailed before the relationship nosedive. That is about 2016 onwards, really. You know, trouble had started about 2013, 14 it picked up, 15 it continued. But 16 onwards, you know, especially Pathan Court attack and then Puri. Uh, and then, you know, it nosedived to Pulwama, etc., etc. Then our move to withdraw special status and so on. So if we can take, uh, if I were to make a suggestion, uh, we should take some smaller steps back to the situation which prevailed uh, before the relationship started nosediving. And what do I have in mind? Uh, one is to have, uh, you know, representation back at high commissioner's level. Uh, look, I have been both Deputy High Commissioner and High Commissioner, and I can tell you the access that you have uh, on both sides, on the on the Indian side, your home side, and on the host side, is totally different for a High Commissioner uh, than for a Charged Affair or, you know, a Deputy High Commissioner. Uh, so it's good to have a senior level interlocutors that helps in managing the relationship better. Uh, then again, trade. I don't think it helps anyone. I, I was critical of Indian decision uh, to withdraw uh, MFN status to Pakistan in the wake of Pulwama. Well, that was, uh, you know, justifiable only in terms of a retaliatory move. And Pakistan's move to suspend trade with India was even more short-sighted. They had gone through this process. Uh, they had seen that even when you have no trade with India, Indian goods and machinery with the cost advantage comes come through third countries with a price markup. It eventually hurts the Pakistani economy. And that is what is happening now, you know. Uh, so there has been demand uh, from business and industry to open it. Uh, so that's uh, another uh, step which uh, I think could be taken. Uh, and that doesn't, you know, and if Pakistan thinks by suspending trade with India, look, 2 billion exports, India was exporting worth 2 billion. Uh, directly to Pakistan and 2 billion in the macro scheme of things that don't matter. They may again hurt some individual exporters in India, but in the macro scheme, you know, that that would have an impact on government of India's thinking on Kashmir, etc., etc., or Pakistan. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, illogical. Uh, so I think that's uh, another step. Maybe travel. It's uh, come to a trickle, uh, as you said. We are not talking here only of uh, you know, high-level visitors, but to travel of ordinary people. Um, this is uh, a third thing. And then I would say also some kind of regular uh, dialogue. It is known that the, the ceasefire uh, restoration in February 2021 was the result of back-channel contacts, probably between the intelligence agencies, uh, probably, uh, you know, facilitated by the United Arab Emirates. In fact, their ambassador in Washington said it in so many terms in, in a press interview or in a, in a lecture there. Now, there have been reports from the Pakistani side that those kind of contacts continue. Now, if uh, the governments do not find it possible to have, you know, open contacts, uh, I'm sure uh, they can do it behind the scenes, but have some kind of regular uh, contact, you know, not only of intelligence agencies, but of diplomats to, again, as I say, better manage uh, this relationship. And let me say one more point at this stage, you know. We have often, uh, you know, emphasized too much the transformation of this relationship. 
that it should become a relationship uh, as our relationship is with another, say, Bangladesh or Sri Lanka, a normal relationship with normal problems, but normal positivity is a normal relationship. Uh, now, that's not the kind of relationship we enjoy with Pakistan, and uh, it may not be possible uh, in the foreseeable future, largely because of the problems on the Pakistani side. But that doesn't rule out uh, better management of this relationship, keep levels of violence low, etc., etc. And for that, some kind of regular uh, contexts are also useful. So if we can take even some of those uh, steps, uh, reduce uh, rhetoric, we have reduced substantially on our side. I think uh, over the last year or so, we have been the same as it was earlier. Um, but from the Pakistani side, it remains uh, remains high. It has to be seen whether Shabazz brings it down a little. So, you know, if these kind of steps are taken, that would itself be a gain uh, for, for this very complex and difficult relationship. Sharat, a short while ago, you mentioned about the access high commissioners have uh, on both sides. Uh, one of the issues, and you know, this has been an issue which you know uh, about well, that uh, Indian diplomacy has been grappling about, is that the fact that uh, you know most other countries have very easy access to the army, uh, to the army chief in Pakistan, but India, in that sense, uh, you know, has no public access or doesn't, you know, you, you can say that it doesn't know or it do doesn't know sufficiently the mind of the Pakistani army. How important do you think is uh, a direct relationship, and I'm talking at a political level, not at a military to military level, because the uh, the army in uh, Pakistan is very much political animal. Do you think that it would benefit India to have this direct uh, pipeline or direct relationship or equation uh, with uh, the army, along, of course, with the civilian uh, government? This is a problem, Amit, uh, for every interlocutor of Pakistan. You have a civilian uh, government with which they have to engage, but behind the civilian government is an army which very tightly controls the foreign and security policies, especially those two policies. Uh, therefore, you know, uh, many other countries um, engage besides the civilian government with the uh, army also. Uh, we have had, uh, you know, a strange... Uh, Happenings. Uh, I remember uh, Hillary Clinton when he once visited Pakistan. She went uh, to the army headquarters to see the then chief of army staff, Ashfaq Parvez Kiani. Now, that was very unusual for the Secretary of State uh, to go there instead of him coming uh, to Islamabad and calling on her or something of that kind. That, you know, uh, that uh, we should have our political executive engage with the army. I don't think that is uh, going to be possible. You know, th there is no uh, no equation uh, there. Then again, let me make two more points. One, you said, uh, you know, there's a feeling we don't know the mind of the Pakistani army. That's just not true. Uh, we know their mind very well, uh, regardless of context or no context. You know, uh, we, we know them better than uh, many others. Let me put it that way. Uh, third, I would say that uh, contexts are not altogether missing. Uh, first of all, you have, of course, you know, military advisors on both sides who are in touch with uh, their interlocutors on the other side. But besides that, also, may I say that there have been uh, contexts from time to time. It's not as if uh, those contexts are uh, not present at all. The only point I make when, you know, people uh, say that we should engage uh, with the army is this, that until the worldview of the army changes, uh, let me put it another way. 
I am of the view that we should engage with any and every interlocutor in Pakistan, any and every stakeholder in Pakistan uh, who is willing to engage with us. Uh, that is the business of diplomats, uh, you know, uh, and that's what they should be doing. Uh, that includes the army. Uh, but at the same time, I would say that, you know, that sort of contact uh, or, you know, any, any, any contacts we maintain with them, I would say are useful only in managing the relationship better. And that, in my, my eyes, carries a value. Uh, you know, as I told you earlier, because the relationship cannot be transferred, doesn't mean we don't manage it well. And I think those kind of contexts uh, can enable us to manage it well. And we have done it from uh, time to time. But if the idea is to engage with them to change the fundamentals of the relationship, that I believe is not going to happen until the Pakistan army changes its worldview. Uh, Bajwa's pronouncements notwithstanding, which I at least uh, see so far. Far less hawkish than, say, what Imran Khan was saying in the last couple of years. The role, in a sense, was uh, reversed. Uh, but as I said, uh, those pronouncements, I still see them as a tactical move. And uh, we have seen those kind of tactical moves uh, in the past. You know, we have seen Zia's uh, charm regime. Uh, uh, you know, uh, charm offensive vis-a-vis uh, -vis India when his western border heated up. Or we have seen Musharraf in a more constructive phase vis-a-vis -vis India after 9-11. His troubles grew on the other front. Uh, you know, he toned things down with India and some constructive engagement took place. Uh, so I believe it is uh, tactical. We should use it to manage the relationship. Um, but to think that, you know, those kind of contexts would transform the very nature of the relationship, etc., that will not happen until, you know, Pakistan's external orientation changes completely. And uh, there is no indication of that uh, so far, other than these pronouncements. We have heard these kind of pronouncements earlier. Before I let you go, Sharat, the, one of the last, uh, you know, topics I want to touch on is uh, Pakistan external relationships, and especially with the United States. Do you now think that uh, the relationship with the United States is going to improve? And the fact that India enjoys a good relationship with the United States, could that be something which might facilitate a sort of easier equation in the months ahead? Well, you know, as if you, if you see Imran Khan, uh, much like what he did in the case of India, he had painted himself into a corner vis-a-vis uh, -vis us. Um, by presenting that improbable, uh, you know, demand, uh, saying uh, reverse the August 2019 move, uh, or you know, adopting a very strident language about leaders and so on and so forth, and he did the same vis-à-vis uh, -vis the United States also. Don't forget that during uh, the post 9/11, the hostilities in uh, in Afghanistan, where NATO troops were fighting there. Uh, he was against their actions in the border areas. And he was saying that, you know, you are alienating these people for years to come. I heard him say so in, you know, drawing room meetings and so on, uh, that you would be alienating these people. Uh, you forget that they, they don't forget enmity for a long time. Uh, so those kind of things uh, had, you know, made it very difficult for him to mend fences with the United States. That may ease uh, a little bit with the, with the new government. But the fact also remains that it is uh, more or less in the change circumstances a transactional relationship. It was a transactional relationship always between the two sides because they never had a strategic congruence. You know. 
Amit, if you come to think of it, uh, even in the Cold War days, while the Americans saw them as an instrument against the former Soviet Union, Pakistan saw that alliance essentially against India. And then, you know, successive uh, things they engaged in collaborations, Afghan Jihad, etc. Pakistan had its own aims, you know, eventually uh, his, its eyes on Kashmir and, you know, in this region and so on. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's 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 the prominent role in Afghanistan, etc., etc., and was not necessarily interested in calming things down there. So it was always a transactional relationship. It has become even more so. I do not see uh, Pakistan's relationship with China changing substantially. That's a hold uh, that China has come to acquire, and I don't think that would be diluted very much. In fact, Shabazz may double down on the CPEC and, you know, try and to make it uh, make some projects uh, move faster. Given that, given the changing equations in the region, the U.S. relationship with us, uh, it has to be focused on a certain number of issues. What are those issues? One is Afghanistan. And that is what the Americans have been doing, even under the Biden administration, confining this relationship to Afghanistan. Uh, While Imran Khan government was saying to make it a little wider than just Afghanistan. Uh, would that change? I don't see that uh, happening very substantially. To which areas would it go if it's, it's, it is to change? Uh, then the other uh, American interest, of course, is that things stay calm between India and uh, Pakistan. There is no flare-up. Uh, so I think that's that's a counsel that they have been giving to them. That is something which I believe China has also been telling them overall not to get any big trouble with India. So uh, things may improve, uh, the statements may improve, the climate in general may improve. Finally, that phone call the Pakistanis have been waiting may come, possibly, I don't know. What larger dimension would it assume, uh, I fail to see at this juncture. Sharad Sabalwal, former Indian High Commissioner to Pakistan, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Amit. It's a pleasure talking to you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.